0: Welcome back to three decades of tragedy, history of the Thirty Years' War. So last time I covered the increasing closeness of the French and Swedish alliance and cracks that were forming in it at the same time, and the changing dynamics of the army, which cavalry became more central, as well as the lack of veteran pikemen around due to the casualties mounting and the increasing desertations in the war. I also covered the Regensburg Reichstag, where Ferdinand opened the door to more voices to decide the politics of the state and loosen the terms of the peace, which would create more unity among those who attended as it would allow more to be pardoned and accepted into the empire and deal with more religious schisms. It was a bit late for those who joined the Swedes at this point, but it was certainly a good attempt by the emperor. But with that covered, let's get started. While the Reichstag didn't pull German allies away from France and Sweden, they still feared that risk. Bonaire led a new campaign, but even with his failing health, he wanted to interrupt the negotiations, moving south through Thuringia in January 1641. France had their own assault into Franconia, not to conquer, but to take money and resources. So Bonaire was effectively in charge of the main thrust of this attack, advancing through around 200 kilometers of snow, and moved fast despite the thick snow, reaching Regensburg by January 20th. He did this to avoid any counterattacks or to keep news from spreading, and it makes sense that Skane the Navians were used to traveling in snow and dealing with harsh terrain. The Swedish cavalry crossed the Danube and surprised the Imperial hunting party, though the Emperor was not in the party as he had been delayed. They did manage to capture his prized falcon, so they did get one thing out of that at least, but the Swedes were unfortunately forced to retreat as the river started to thaw, as well as the fact that Bonaire only had light guns, which would not be good enough to break a city, especially one like Regensburg. So this quick campaign basically failed because the Emperor wasn't outside during this hunting party, so they couldn't break in to attack the city. Ferdinand got some credit it by keeping a cool head as the city was attacked, which is generally good luck for any leader, especially in a war. Panicking under fire is generally not seen as a good thing, especially with more masculine or military-oriented minds. The Swedes then retreated north, the French not assisting by moving into Lower Saxony, as they didn't want to attack Habsburg land. Benair expected the retreat to Cham to be relatively easy, and he could winter in the hills before crossing the Bohemia across the Ager. However, the Imperials gathered 22,000 men and advanced on the Swedes in March, forcing Benair to gather his men to Cham as quickly as they could. However, many men didn't arrive, and Benair escaped by the skin of his teeth, an attachment led by a one-armed man by the name of Eric Slang, delaying the assault at Nürnberg on March 19th. Other Swedish units did escape but they were forced into a grueling march of 20 kilometers a day as it began to thaw, and the roads were becoming muddy. They reached Saxony by April, but they were exhausted and the morale was shot. The overall cost of this campaign was 2,000 prisoners, the baggage train, and around 4,000 sick and deserters. This certainly was a modest cost, especially with the lack of dead listed here, and it wouldn't be bad long-term, but Bonaire's help wouldn't be doing any better marching through the harsh winter. And soon after this campaign, Bonaire did die. With the death of the main commander, the French army was exposed and disorganized, Bonaire, despite some of his defeats over the last couple of years, had been central to reorganizing and saving the army after 1635, so his death would be a major blow, just like Gustavus when he died. The success of the army was actually three men Count Karl Gustav Wrangel, Avid Wittenberg, and Adam von Full. This was a repeat of the earlier mutiny, as they had issues with who was in charge. And with only around 500 Swedish men in the 16,000 strong army, the colonels of the army organized to make more demands of Sweden, led by Kaspar Mortain. Again, this was a tedious position for the Swedes, and relieved the Imperials in a good position to spread discord or lead a major attack as the command wasn't unified. And Ferdinand, being diplomatically minded, jumped at this, trying to negotiate with the officers, especially Full. Full being P-F-U-H-L, which, if I'm saying that wrong, I mean, send me an email, but I have no idea. Go back on topic. Full was connected as his sister had once been a lady waiting for Queen Maria and also the brother-in-law of Bonaire. Full also thought he had the best position to claim the title that Bonaire had, as his military record and his connection to Bonaire being major factors, but Akson would never pick a German to lead the army and chose Leonard Torstensen, an artillery officer I mentioned a long while ago, but he was still in weak health after being held prisoner after Nordlingen, and he wasn't in Germany when he was given this order, so this left a power vacuum in Germany, which Adam stepped into. Being snubbed by the Swedes, the German officer sided with the officers making demands, which was pretty logical for a guy who wanted to become the next head commander as it would get on their good side, and they were German, and he wasn't Swedish. He then opened negotiations with August of Wolfenbottle, who took advantage of this to open up his own negotiations with the Emperor, which most likely looking for a way to be pardoned. And another issue was the fact that these officers also spread discontent among German officers serving the French as well, as they had a good majority of Germans in their army as well. Now, I can see why the German officers would have issues as they mainly made up the majority of the armies, along with the main ground troops. They were serving a foreign power that had different concerns from them, which might not necessarily be in their favor and they were being asked to fight against their own people as it was being destroyed by this war though again simplistic as people were loyal to their local lord versus the emperor necessarily so simplistic view but a good way to break it down that way what wasn't helping either side was that France and Sweden were still not on the same page when it came to political objectives which made it hard to unite in fighting unified war France wanted a universal peace in Europe that satisfied them while Sweden only focused on Germany which a separate peace could resolve yet France is also funding Sweden so breaking the lines could be considered a bad plan it was tempting to Sweden as the war was expensive and if their conquest could be ratified they would be satisfied and would reasonably pull out of the war. And it didn't help that France had taken Bernhard and his forces and had incorporated his army into their own so that was another thing that they poached from the Swedes. And more importantly Lauenburg Dukes had given Sweden a better offer including concessions talked about at Regensburg as well as terms for Hessen Castle the Gulefs and the Palatine for a piece of Prague. So France needed Sweden to keep fighting to keep up the two-front war or the Imperials could focus on armies against the recently joined nation. And as we have seen before, the HRE had done well against single opponents, although France was still a power to not be trifled with, as they still had the men and money to spend, unlike the Emperor. So seeing this, Fernand eagerly jumped at offering Oxenstier no way to leave the war honorably, offering all of Pomerania on top of the other territory like Altmark and Frankfurt. It was obvious that Pomerania could no longer be gained through force by the rightful owner, so it was better to have the Swedish get it for the peace. And when count, Schwarzenberg died, and now i this to this offer was gone, leading it to be offered to the Swedes, especially with the accurate guess that Brandenburg would defect or at least declare neutrality. The offer was actually created in the end of 1640, with Mainz and Bavarian support. It just needed somebody to not oppose it, see the count that died. But the Swedes did not take that deal seriously, and rejected it, seeing as something they would offer as a joke or something where it could be a trap or something like that. And, after many years of negotiation, it's hard to take your opponent seriously. It did have one minor side effect that got France off their ass. The French saw this and got spooked as they saw the good terms and heard rumors about it, so they knew they needed to hook the Swedes back in, even though they didn't learn it was rejected, only hearing what the rumors of the offer. They started more serious negotiations with the Swedes, offering high daily payments till they hammered out a new agreement since the and was running out. Oxenstierna was convinced enough by this effort to agree to give up some of his autonomy to create a more common political goal, unifying the two powerful states. And to be clear, this wasn't like France had controlled Sweden's army. It was more of Sweden's ability to negotiate versus any sort of governmental control. This meant that any peace talks had to be agreed upon by France and Sweden before terms could be signed, which is normal in tight alliances. You can't just individually sign out people. If you're part of a faction or an alliance, everyone has to agree. Everyone has to sign. This would seal the political factions of the war and stop any future peace attempts as you'd have to force France and Sweden to agree, which would be very hard considering they both wanted very particular things. But with this new alliance established, Sweden was on a better foot to negotiate in general. Brandenburg agreeing to a two-year ceasefire on July 24 which gave Sweden possession of Gardelgen, Dreisen, Landsberg, Crosston, and Frankfurt. This gave them a connection to the Oder, which connected their territory between Pomerania and Silesia. Frederick Wilhelm also promised 10,000 talers and 177 or more kilograms of grain each month, which wasn't insignificant and would be good at keeping troops supplied. But he also made sure to not piss off the Imperials too much by sending most of his forces to the Imperials, which would settle some of the larger anger at him, hopefully. This left him with around 2,200 men to defend his own lands, but he was effectively neutral at the moment, so in theory, he would be safe. But many of his own men were at this, and one officer even took some of them to the Imperials, one threatening to blow Spandau, another field marshal drove men from Silesia. But this was overall minor, as the overall effect was securing approaches to Pomerania, even Oconcyrna able to focus on the issue of the second mutiny, which was still going on at this time. And with more room to breathe, Oconcyrna sent two representatives to the colonels to negotiate. They flattered the officers, giving them rewards, which included promoting their leader, Mortain, to a general, along with lands in Pomerania primarily to pay off the debts of were owed to him. More money was also found to pay other officers, and the army was reorganized, understrength units being combined, and their debts in the hundreds of thousands being paid off using the credit given by France. Adam was replaced as the interim commander by a Swedish officer by the name of Lilyhook, in place till Torstensen was able to take command. And the French were able to resolve their issues by showing the fate of the Saxons in 1635, who had become a shadow of the former self. So both Sweden and France had settled their officer issue, and once again the Imperials were left on the diplomatic back foot. While the Swedish and French still had issues, they at least came to a more solid political goal which made fernand's attempts to divide his enemies way harder and in my view the imperials needed help but their enemies are settling and they can now start to push them back especially with the true front war going on but that is it for this week and next week i will cover the battle of Wolfenbuttel. battle i want to thank you all for listening and the social media links to me in the description box or on the links themselves you can email me at 3 c o t at gmail.com reminder that i have a patreon thanks both to support me interview and spread the word and i'll see you guys next time